Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Hello everyone and welcome to Online Church. It's always a pleasure to be able to bring the Word of God to you. Even though we're in these times where we have to meet across these platforms, it's our privilege to be able to meet nonetheless in this way. If you're joining us in the service, remember it's first come, first serve. We've been having quite a few people turning around at the gate because of the fact that a lot of people want to come online. You can't have worship. You can't, uh, you know, sort of uh, click elbows online. And so, uh, yeah, we're, we're trusting that the Lord is going to help us navigate through this time. But the Word of God is unchanging despite everything. And it's, an, it's amazing that we can still have the Word of God coming to us uh, even today. Um, I just want to wish everyone a happy Independence Day. Uh, it's been 31 years of um, good things that the Lord has been doing in this nation. And we're trusting that over the next few years, even better things are going to come. Uh, today, we're continuing with our series concerning uh, mastering your emotions. It's, this is the third installment that we're doing and we're really trusting the Lord that he's going to do amazing things. Before we start, I just want to pray for us, and then we'll go right into the message. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that your word is living and active, living and active. And as we are around your word, it's not just any other message. It's not just from a book. It's from the living word of God, and it's able to transform our lives. And we're trusting that this morning, that is what will happen. Father, touch every single person who is listening this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you, if you're not in a connect group, please make sure that you prioritize getting into a connect group. A connect group is a small group uh, of men or a small group of women who come together during the week and go deeper into the things of God and the Word of God as we've shared it on a Sunday. And that is where your foundations are established. That is where you get raised to maturity. That is really the place where you get encouraged to reach out to your friends and family. It's really a place where God is going to impact you in a deeper way. If you're not in a connect group, you're missing out on the Holy Spirit's impact in that level. You know, myself, I just want to share a testimony Myself, uh, during the times that I've been in a connect group, was always the times where someone was always close enough to, one, be able to ask me the questions that I needed to be asked concerning my accountability as to how I'm treating my family, as to how I'm handling my finances, as to whether I'm growing in my devotional life with the Lord. And then on the other side, when I also started having uh, connect with others, that was also the place where I could do the same and begin to see my maturity go to another level. But one thing that really stood out for me concerning connect group was the fact that that is the place where we also care for one another. And I remember in our connect group a couple of years ago, there was a family that they came back from holiday and their fridge basically packed up and where were they going to get the finances to be able to get a new fridge and in the connect group we all decided let's let's get together and let's let's buy them a fridge and it really had an impact on their lives because it wasn't just us getting together and caring for them but it was the practical love of God being displayed in that context and sometimes you might be in a hospital or you might be in a time where you've lost a loved one and that is really the group of people that are close enough to you to be able to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ so I want to encourage every single one of us if you're not in a connect group join the connect group because that's really where the church are at 
are meeting. If you're not in a connect group, you're essentially still a visitor in our environment. I want to encourage you to join a connect group. Awesome. So today we continue with our third installment concerning master your emotions. And uh, today I'm speaking about the the quote-unquote positive emotions. Now, we have stated before that emotions are neutral. It's not necessarily negative or positive. If you're going through a time of mourning, it doesn't necessarily mean that's a negative thing. It's a positive thing, definitely, because it helps you with your your healing process and, and coping with the situation that you might be facing. But there are certain emotions that tend to not feel that great in the moment. And so we're trying to define it this way. In the first week, we spoke about the definitions of emotions. Very important that if you haven't seen the first and second installment, I want to encourage you to go back to that. Last week, Pastor Hilma uh, preached a powerful message, and she encouraged us on how to deal with those difficult emotions, on, on how to, to identify them, and how the Holy Spirit really helps us through them. And I really want to encourage you to go back to those. So in the first week, we did speak about the different sources of emotion uh, and how we are a tripartite being. We have a body. We, we live in a body. We are a spirit and we have a soul. And there are different sources of these emotions, even coming from um, outside ourselves, which are demonic spirits or even angelic spirits. We also spoke about genetics and how your body and your hormones have an impact on that, as well as your environment and your circumstances. But what's important is really that you are to live from the spirit outwardly. Your life should be dictated by what's happening inside of you, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. Even the way that we perceive things can many times be misleading because the information that comes from the outside are dictated to by our five or six senses. But there is a, a, a sense called faith where we are perceiving things through the eyes of faith, where we are perceiving things through the lens of God's spirit. That is the most important perception that you need to have. And when Adam and Eve fell into sin and Uh, one of the effects that happened is they said their eyes were opened. It was as if their perception moved from being perceptive through their spirit man and relationship with God to just being carnally perceiving the world. And then what happened immediately was fear started to manifest and shame started to manifest and all of that. So it's really critical that you have this perception established in your heart that you are looking at the world, looking at your life through the eyes of faith. Now, if you go to your friendly bookstore around the corner in whichever neighborhood you might be or in town, you will see that most bookstores have a certain segment called the self-help section. And that is generally what is associated when we're talking about positive emotions and, and, and controlling your mind and thinking positively. Most people go to that section and it, it has picked up over the years some kind of stigma that it's, it's this, yeah, people who have this uh, bubblegum psychology and they're reading these books that don't really work. 
But there is a, a very powerful element about the, the things that are in that section. And they tend to point to the, the way that people think and approach life and how that can be influenced from a mental point of view, from a psychological point of view, and then all, and from a spiritual point of view, and then have an impact on the emotions. Lately in the media as well, I'm sure you've, you've seen all the, the trending news concerning what's happening in Buckingham Palace and how emotions are flaring in a very strange and weird way and relationships are destabilized because of the experiences of um, some of the royals that have recently joined the royal family. And it's amazing how you can see the ripple effects of the emotions and the, the ripple effects of what's happening at that level. And many times we look at it at the surface and we always, always sort of weighing in with our opinion. And I think she's lying. I, she, I think she's telling the truth and the institution and, and racism and all of that. And, and all of that is being perceived through, through the, the, the lenses of our mindsets. Also, most recently, you might have seen a, a very popular musician, a, a Christian musician, having a massive fallout on social media with his son, where he was using some severe strong language, not someone that was supposed to use that kind of strong language, and uh, particularly not in speaking with his son. But so, so you realize that whether people uh, know God or not, there are these emotional manifestations that have an impact on their lives. Now, I'm talking today about how you can foster those emotions that begin to breed a, benefit, a, a beneficial experience, a, a wonderful experience in your life, the positive emotion, so to speak. And the first point that I want to share with us is that emotions affect your health. It is very important that you take a hold on whether you entertain, quote-unquote, the negative emotions or the positive ones. As much as you'll experience some of the negative emotions, there must be a place where you address them and begin to overcome them. And as much as you have the positive emotions, you can't just be passive about them and wait for them to just happen upon you. You can actually cultivate them in your life. Now, we're going here to the Word of God. First of all, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. So, it's saying here from the book of Proverbs that when you have disappointment, your hope deferred, your hope postponed, you, you begin to have an impact on your heart. And we'll get now to the scripture about the importance of our heart because everything that happens in our life is issuing, is coming forth out of our heart. But if a desire is fulfilled, it, it calls it a tree of life, which is tremendous. It takes us all the way back to the Garden of Eden where there was the tree of life and begins to almost paint this picture about how amazing it is when a dream is fulfilled, when a desire is fulfilled. Proverbs 17 verse 22 says, A cheerful heart brings good healing, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Another version, another version says, A cheerful heart um, is, is like good medicine, and it begins to affect even your physical body. 
And many people don't understand that the, your, your emotional state is able to affect your actual physical health. Many people are experiencing physical diseases because of the fact that their emotions are actually producing toxins in their bodies and beginning to affect their lives. So it doesn't only affect your relationships as we see around the world, but it also affects your body. Now, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of life. Another version says that guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And most of the time, we tend to be negligent in this area, and we tend to just go with the flow. But the Word of God teaches that you have to do the guarding. You have to do the keeping of your heart. You have to cultivate a heart that is cheerful. You are the one who is supposed to make sure that your heart is experiencing the things that God's Word directs it towards if you're going to see wholeness in different areas of your life. So your emotions can affect your health. Why is it that we need to make sure that we are majoring on these wonderful emotions? Why is it that we need to actually be deliberate in cultivating that in our lives? Because it won't only affect our spiritual life, it will also affect our physical bodies, let alone our relationship. Secondly, emotions affect your faith. Emotions can affect your faith. I'm reading here from Mark chapter 5, verse 34 through to 42. And it's it's an occasion where a man comes to Jesus with a request for a miracle. And uh, it's for, for, for the little daughter at home that is ill. And if you remember the woman with the issue of blood, she actually interrupts <laughs> the request of this man. He comes to Jesus first, and then the woman with the issue of blood presses through and touches Jesus. Jesus turns away to her and then heals her and then comes back to this man. And this is where we catch the story. So Jesus says in verse 34, he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. This is the woman with the issue of blood that Jesus is speaking to. Verse 35, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? So Jesus is just finishing ministering to the woman with the issue of blood, and he overhears And this is verse 36. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told the man, don't be afraid, just believe. So the emotion of fear is now coming into the situation after he received the news that his daughter just died. He came to Jesus for the healing of the very same daughter. Jesus overhears him, and this is what Jesus says to him. Don't be afraid. What do you mean? I just heard the news of my daughter dying. How can I deny the emotion of being afraid and fearful and the grief and the emotions that are starting to come up in my heart? And Jesus is well aware of emotions. He wept at the grave of of Lazarus. He knows what it means to feel that pressure. And yet he tells him, don't be afraid, just believe. Then verse 37, he says, He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jairus, 
Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. (laughs) Verse 39, he went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who, who were with him and went in where the child was. Verse 41, he took her by the hand and said to her, Talita kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Verse 42, immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. So let's, let's go back a little bit. So you see the emotions coming in the situation. Jesus is obviously the miracle walk, worker. Jairus comes to him with this emergency situation. My daughter, 12-year-old, is dying. Can you please heal her? Jesus is distracted, and then Jairus gets news from home saying, don't, don't, don't bother the teacher anymore. Don't worry. Give up. It's over. She's dead. But Jesus addresses the emotion that's coming into the situation and says, fear not, stop the fear. Do not fear, only believe. And how many times have we faced situations that tempted us to go into a a situation where our emotions were going to drive the word of God away from us and put us in a place where we're looking more at other things than at Jesus Christ. And yet Jesus is speaking to him saying, look at me, look here, look at me. (laughs) Don't fear, only believe. This is awesome. Despite what the world tells you, don't fear, only believe. And then he doesn't take all the disciples, especially Thomas. (laughs) He only takes the three and he says to them, come, we're going to this family. And when he gets there, he addresses once again the wailing and the weeping of the people. By a perception, he tells them what is actually going on, that she's not dead, but only asleep. And, And, you know, it's amazing that Jesus uses this language because he used the same language with Lazarus. And Lazarus was dead for four days. He told the disciples that we are going to wake Lazarus up. And the disciples were like, what do you mean wake him up? I'm, I'm sure we don't have to rush if, if he's only asleep. And then Jesus says, okay, let me explain more specifically. G- Lazarus is actually dead. So we are going to wake him up. And so he comes into this situation. Therefore, we understand that this girl was actually dead. But Jesus then addresses the crowd. And then he does something else. He asks everyone to get out. Everyone out of the house, everyone that is in their state of panic and commotion and emotion out of the house because he's intervening with the word of God. The word of God intervening into a situation, despite the emotions that you might be facing, the word of God wanting to supersede the situation. This is, we're talking about relationship with God here. And many people want to bring God to a place where they, they aren't able to be elevated by God's word. Now we're talking about denying the influence of the emotions where the word of God says differently. And so he comes in, he puts everyone out, and then he speaks to the, the, the girl, and she wakes up and he gives her back to her parents. Imagine if Jairus didn't listen to Jesus rather decided to go with his emotion 
rather decided to follow his feeling, rather decided to go with what is common, the tendency of everyone, rather decided to sit with the wailing woman that are paid wailers who come in to make sure that the weeping is proper, rather decided to go with what is traditional instead of what Jesus is directing. The big question in any situation is not what are my emotions saying. The big question is despite what my emotions are saying, after we're asking the why, why am I feeling this way? The question is what is Jesus saying about this situation? And so our emotions are able to affect our faith. They affect our health. They affect our faith. So you better get a hold on these emotions. These emotions cannot be a wild horse dictating to you. The word of God must have the last say. Now, number three, Jesus opened the way to hope. This is the most important thing. What Jesus gave Jairus is hope. In a hopeless situation, he said to him, don't worry, don't fear, only believe, have hope. I'm here. And this is what every believer doesn't pretend to carry, they carry hope. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19, it says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And you understand that emotions can become like a, like a sea. They can become like a tsunami, overwhelming, taking over. We spoke about how Cain killed his brother because of this. And in any situation where there's hopelessness, emotions of the kind that drive us to a place of unbelief and self-destruction tend to come in very quickly because we're interpreting the situation in our limited mindset of it's over. But Jesus is hope in our situation. And this hope becomes an anchor. What does an anchor do? It keeps the, the, the boat from floating with the current. From going with the flow. Hope keeps us anchored, stable, in the midst of whatever may be shaking or happening around us. Our emotions giving us the signals and beginning to explain to us from the natural what is happening. Our emotions giving us an indication of what's happening. While that is taking place, hope is an anchor that holds us strong, that solidifies us, that keeps us strong as we are hearing for the word of the master. This is so important. Hallelujah. Now I want to read for us from Isaiah chapter 61, which is a prophecy concerning the Messiah, and it will give us a better indication of why Jesus is hope in any situation and why the critical positive emotion, if I can say, that God wants to introduce in our lives, in the world that we live today, is hope. It starts with that because the hope that we have begins to build us a solid anchor so that all the other positive emotions begin to come into our lives. I'm reading here from Isaiah 61 from verse 1 to 4. It says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And Jesus read this after he came from his temptation in the wilderness, 40 days, 40 nights fasting. He came in the power of the Spirit into the synagogue. He opened the book of Isaiah 61 and he started reading this as a prophecy. He said that this is fulfilled in me. So this is speaking about how Jesus is going to affect the life of the believer. It says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to, one, bring good news. To the poor, he has sent me to, to bind up the brokenhearted emotion. Number three, to proclaim liberty to the captives 
and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Then verse 2, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is the year of Jubilee. In Israel, it was a year where slaves get, get liberated. If you have land that was taken from you, it gets restored. If you were ever sold yourself into slavery because you couldn't afford debts, debts get canceled. That's the year of the Lord's favor. And the day of vengeance of our God. And this vengeance, he stops at the reading of this scripture because this vengeance is coming on the day of judgment. But then he goes on, he says, to comfort, to comfort all who mourn. This is very important. It means that the, the spirit of the Lord that is in our lives is bringing comfort in our mourning. That means whatever, like Paseyoma was sharing last week, there is a spirit of comfort that is in our lives. Number three, verse three, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, those who are in those deep, difficult emotions, to give them beautiful, a beautiful headdress instead of ashes or beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy or gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness or a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, trees of righteousness. Remember how we spoke about how a desire fulfilled is a tree of life, that he may be glorified. And then verse 4 says, they shall build up the ancient ruins, they shall raise up the former devastations, they shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. So we see here from the word of God that Jesus Christ coming into our lives, one is hope that is unshakable, beyond the grave. We are the ones that have a hope that even death cannot conquer. The whole world is afraid of death. They have no understanding of what happens after it. But we have a hope that is an anchor for our soul. And it starts with the good news that we receive from Jesus Christ. That our hearts can be, our broken hearts are, are bound up. That we are set free as captives. That there is an opening of the prison in our lives. This is a reality and this is true. And what the enemy will try and do is make you look at your situation and be ignorant about these realities. And then the Lord's favor is upon us. That there is comfort for those of us who are in difficult times and mourning. That there is, that there is for those who mourn in Zion... Beauty instead of ashes. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter how much has burned down because of the fires that have surrounded you. That there is comfort. That there is beauty that is going to come out of the ashes of your life. And there is an oil of gladness. An anointing of joy on the life of the believer. And this is why we'll get now to the word that says that we are to rejoice in the Lord always because the Lord does not change. The Lord, the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So this is the reality. In the life of the believer, the spirit of the Lord is producing something. But if we are more led by what our emotions dictate than the voice of Jesus in our situation, we will not experience these kind of things coming in our hearts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so it's very important that we understand we are not to live from the body only. We are not to live from the soul only, from the emotions and our intellect. We are to live from the spirit. 
The spirit, it's the spirit that gives life. It's the spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. It's the spirit that gives life. Hallelujah. So I wanted to read for us also, as we're speaking about the spirit, from Galatians chapter 5. And over here in the, in the latter part of the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul is speaking about the effect of the, of the Holy Spirit on the life of the believer. And it starts off by saying that those who are living in the flesh, the actions, uh, Galatians 5 verse 19, the actions that are produced by selfish motives or by the flesh are obvious, since they include sexual immorality, moral corruption, doing whatever feels good. I'm reading from the Common English Bible, because some people don't know what debauchery is and those kind of old words. Moral corruption, doing whatever feels good to them, idolatry, drug use, casting of spells, hatred, fighting, obsession, losing your temper, competitive opposition, conflict, selfishness, group rivalries, jealousy, drunkenness, (laughs) rough partying, and other things like that. I warn you as I have already warned you that those who do these things won't inherit the kingdom of God. Then verse 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit, look at this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these there is no law. So we see that the Holy Spirit is producing in the believer love, joy, peace. Many of these are very akin to our emotions. Hallelujah. And we have this powerhouse of the life of God, the emotions of God, the spirit of God that is inside of us, that is to produce in us. And I want to give us, as we come to a conclusion here, some practical things that we must do on a daily basis, on a weekly basis to cultivate around us the Garden of Eden, so to speak, when it comes to our emotions, even as we're handling all the difficult emotions, that we will continually practice and cultivate these. I, and, and you might ask me, no, Pastor Chris, are you asking me to always be in a good mood, always be positive, always be excited, always be, well, let's look at what the Word of God says. Don't ask me, let's go to the Word of God. The first thing that we are to do is to practice thankfulness and praise. Regardless of where you are emotionally, practice thankfulness and praise. What does thankfulness do? It makes you focus on what you have and not on what you don't have. What does praise do? It makes you look at God in consideration of who he is, especially if you've got nothing else to be thankful for, apparently. And most of the time, you've got something to be thankful for. First Thessalonians 5 verse 18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God, In Christ Jesus concerning you, in everything, give thanks. This is God's will for you. Be thankful no matter what. I'm not saying be thankful for the situation. Be thankful in the situation because you can at least be thankful that you know God. Hallelujah. And what thankfulness will do, it will immediately put you in a perspective that invites the kind of joy that comes from the Spirit. Psalm 34 verse 1 
says, I will bless the Lord at all times, or I will praise the Lord at all times. At what times? At all times. At what times? At all times. And then it says, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. So if you're a complainer, you've got an issue. The praises of God can always issue out of your mouth, regardless of the situation, because that is the perspective of truth that is in our lives. Hallelujah. Is this easy to do? Of course not. But is it right to do? Absolutely. Is it going to produce the right kind of emotion in any situation? Absolutely. Is it going to breed faith? Is it going to stir your health up towards health? Yes, absolutely. This is what the Word of God teaches. Number two, after you practice thankfulness and praise, number two, practice cheerfulness and rejoicing. (laughs) Practice being cheerful. You know, some people have this approach to life that they can't be happy until everything is perfect. My brother, I'm telling you, things will never be perfect. You best be happy where you are. And those kind of people are the most difficult people to be married to or to be friends with, because they, they've just got nothing good to say. They see nothing good in life. But if Christ has saved you, you have the hope of eternal life. You can be cheerful and rejoicing. Philippians 4 verse 4, the Apostle Paul writing from prison, he writes this, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And if you're wondering, is it always? Is it every time? Here he goes and he says, And again I say, rejoice. What should your life be? Your life should be loaded with rejoicing. You know, the kind of people that I appreciate being around with, even though they're going through a difficult situation, they'll say, no, but God has been good to me. You know, uh, and they'll begin to highlight the testimonies in the midst of the mess. You know that when you're mining diamonds, you don't find them in their pure state on the ground. You have to look in the ground. You have to dig deep. You have to go in mind, invest your resources to find the treasure that is in the very same situation where you find dirt and something else. And it's so important that we have the eyes of faith that see what God can see and the ears that listen to the word of God concerning our situation. So firstly, practice thankfulness and praise. Number two, practice cheerfulness and rejoicing. And take note, I'm saying practice it. Practice it, and what you practice will become your habit, will become your lifestyle. Number three, practice repentance and contentment. You know, there are many times when we're in a situation where we don't understand that actually our minds need to be renewed in a certain situation, and we're dealing just with the confrontation of the emotions that we're facing, and many times we want to relish in it instead of repenting. And God is calling us to a place where we're repenting. And what does it mean to repent? It means change your mind, change your perspective. Based on the word of God, change your perspective. It says in Acts chapter 3 verse 19, Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And it's so important, the refreshment and the love of God is flowing towards you. It's even flowing towards those who don't know God. But it's their minds, the word of God says they are enemies of God in their mind. Their minds have not been renewed. If you are not willing to repent, I'm telling you, the things of God are not going to be accessible to you. You can make your complaints and stay in the situation where you are. There is joy 
for you. But if you do not repent, if you do not change your mind, if you are not willing to agree with God, if you are not willing to see things through God's perspective, don't expect your situation to be any different. And the word of God says that in the past, he entertained uh, mindsets that were against God. But in these days, he commands us to repent. Repentance is not a choice. It is a command from the Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom, the resources, the love of God is here. You must repent. You must change the way that you think. You must change the way that you approach your life. Philippians chapter 4 verse 12 says, I know what it is to be in need, the Apostle Paul. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Hallelujah. So the word of God is giving us very clear examples. The apostle Paul says, if anyone has suffered, he has. He has been shipwrecked. He's been without money, without food. He's been beaten for the faith. He's been left dead. There are many situations. And many times, you know what we tend to do? We tend to say, no, my situation is different. You don't understand. My situation is different. And therefore, I can entertain this and that while the word of God is saying something else. My brother, I'm telling you now, there's not another Bible for each one of us. Each one of us have the truth of God right here. And we have to accept it for what it is what it is. So the third one is practice repent, repentance and contentment. What does it mean to be content? It means to be satisfied in Christ. It means to be happy in Jesus despite the situation. Are we trusting for a change? Absolutely. But it doesn't mean that we can't be joyful despite the situation. Are we trusting for a different uh, outcome? Absolutely. But is Jesus still Lord? Yes. Is his blood still shed on the cross? Yes. Are your sins still forgiven? Yes. Is heaven still your home? Yes. Is there hope in this situation? Yes. Hallelujah. I want to encourage us, and in the, in the Connect group, we are definitely going to go deeper in terms of how we encourage one another and keep one another accountable in these areas. I've seen many believers that are in a place where they have never exhibited joy, and you wonder whether they even know Jesus. Because if you know Christ, there is what the word calls joy unspeakable and full of glory coming out of your life, despite the challenges of life. I'm concluding with this at Psalm 16, a Psalm of David, and this is what he says. You have made known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is what the truth of the word of God says, that in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. Are we in the presence of God? Absolutely. Are we aware of that? Many times not. Our difficult situations make us feel like, where is God? That kind of question is something that the believer shouldn't ask. But understand, it comes from our emotions we ask that question. God is right inside of the believer for those of you who have Christ. At your right hand are pleasures. Feel good. (laughs) Being at the right hand of God is feel good. We are seated at the right hand of the Father together with Christ. We have feel good. We have pleasure forever more forevermore 
you know, I was talking to some of the leaders and saying, you know, I didn't want to come across like I'm just saying, look, you better be happy because Jesus loves you. <laughs> because it sometimes comes across as insensitive. And, you know, the, 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 the Word of God tells us that we have a high priest that is touched by the feeling of our weaknesses. He knows what it means to be tempted at every point, and he was yet without sin. And we know that Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he was sweating blood, and he told his disciples, I feel so down to the point of death. I'm so depressed. Please pray with me. And then the Word of God says, because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. He endured the cross because of the joy set before him. And I want to encourage you, there might be people watching. You might be in a difficult situation. I'm telling you today, there is joy that is set before you, that you can begin to participate in the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You can begin to believe the word of God. Believe the word of God. Just say in your heart, I know what I'm seeing around me, but I'm going to choose to believe that God is good. I'm going to choose to believe that God is faithful. I'm going to choose to trust that Jesus sacrificed himself for me, and therefore he loves me, and he's willing to be with me and, and help me through whatever situation I'm facing. That your children will still be able to see you smile and laugh, in the, even in the midst of the situation. It is a testimony when you're able to rejoice in the midst of your trial that Jesus transcends even the situations of our lives. And so I want to encourage you with those practical things. Put on your praise. Put on your, 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 your praise music. Begin to encourage yourself in the Lord. Begin to be cheerful and make it your lifestyle. There's not going to come a perfect time when it's like, okay, now is the time to be cheerful and thankful and praising and rejoicing. That time is not coming. You can be in the most beautiful mansion with all the cars, with all the, all the things that you desire, with everything fulfilled, and yet be depressed and yet be suicidal and yet feel like nothing is working out and yet feel like I'm not going to be happy. And yet I've met people who have nothing except the one loaf of bread for that day, rejoicing in their home and being happy in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the hope that we have in Christ. Not that we are trusting God to answer or to give us all our money that we want and answer all our desires, but that we know that we have this treasure who is Jesus Christ, who is the foundation for our joy. I want to pray for you. There's somebody, you're a woman, you're, you're looking at me and you, you have suicidal thoughts all the time. And I want to just declare over you the Spirit of God that sets captives free, that from today you'll be set free, that you are hearing good news, that Jesus loves you, he forgives your sins, and he's inviting you into pleasures evermore, into, into eternal life. He's inviting you into a place where your circumstances don't matter anymore as much as Jesus matters to you. I'm also um, sensing that there's a couple that's watching me. You guys are depressed together. <laughs> It's like together as husband and wife and you fuel one another. It's like it's your place of connection as well. Both of you are in a place of depression. I feel like both of you are even taking uh, medication for that. 
both of it and the doctor sees you together it's this thing that you do together and i really feel like the lord is saying he loves you both and he admires your commitment to one another but he's pulling you higher and he's saying come out of that and come into the joy of your father and i just pray for that father i thank you lord that even as we're going through this series i thank you that what we cannot do in our own sense lord what we cannot heal in our own ability Holy Spirit you are there and you are touching people today. Father, I thank you Lord that we will not hold on to our theories and hold on to our beliefs, but that we'll rather go with the word of God and begin to receive as we repent in our hearts. Father, I thank you Lord. Are uh, there someone out there uh, the Holy Spirit is commending you for rejoicing in spite of your situation. You're the kind of person that your friends ask you all the time, "Why are you happy? You're going through this. Why are you still happy?" And you're saying, "I've found a joy that is beyond my circumstances." And God is is commending you and saying well done continue many will come to Christ because of that testimony and so father i thank you lord god as the truth is going out that it will fall on fertile soil that people will not harden their hearts but that they'll open their hearts lord god to the truth and that there will be much fruit that many families will be blessed and many many people will be set free because of the truth that Christ Jesus is indeed our joy i thank you for that in Jesus name Amen. Amen. May you have a fun week. May you have a, a week full of laughter and joy understanding who Christ is in your life. May you have the hope established in your heart this week that you will know that Jesus is your source of joy no matter your situation. Have a wonderful wonderful blessed time and we'll see you at Connect. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.